Welcome to Talkie Talk, podcast from the MediaBias.com. Today, it's us. It's TJ and me. Yeah. Chris, that's me. TJ is also me. <laughs> and we're going to talk about what we've been watching. And uh, a brief little foray into the news that we call Breezy on the Streets. Breezy. And then we're going to tell you what we think you should go watch. Now that we are outside of the one weekend, one movie per weekend uh, weeks, um, there's going to be more of uh, an option. At least I think. Um, because we prepare for this show, and I've looked ahead, and I didn't actually look ahead. But nope. I'm just assuming. TJ's looking up now, and we'll confirm later. Yep, we'll figure it out as we get where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> so, to start off, I think it's good to say that uh, TJ and I went and saw the movie Us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele's uh, second uh, effort and a true horror movie this time. Um, it's kind of what Jordan Peele says he wants to make. Is he loves horror movies and suspense and thrillers and wanted to make this one a straight horror movie. Yeah, and he did. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about it too much because it you know, literally came out on Thursday. Uh, and we're recording this on Sunday. Um, but And we know that Brent is going to watch it. So we'll have a more spoilery discussion of it probably next week for your ears. Uh, but in the meantime, what did you think, TJ? Just generally. Uh, oh, I, I loved it. I yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah. It was really good. Lupita Nyong'o was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the camera work this time, which is something that you didn't really see in Get Out a ton, I feel like. Yeah. Not that it wasn't good in Get Out, but the the, the like technical aspect, the little, there's more to do. He did more with the camera in this one. Yeah. More like tricks, kind of. I mean, the opening scene is kind of in a house of mirrors, and it's done really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, <clears throat> really cool. And, like, some of the shots later uh, where they're, like, there's just a lot of great, like, tracking shots, um, I think, that, you know, kind of follow behind a character that do a great job of, uh, like, instilling a sense of dread. Because that's, that's, that's where the horror from this movie, I think, comes from, is it's not like, you know, like, boo, like, ghost jumps out of the closet. It's all, like, suspense and that that looming sense of dread that, you know, if you've seen the trailer, you know what this is roughly about, that, like, your other version is coming to get you, and they're, like, just around the corner. Yep. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I thought it was really good. Our group also really enjoyed the uh, uh, the score and the soundtrack, like, the licensed music. Yes. Yeah. It's a both, lot. Both versions of Lumiz, I got five on it. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. I and a uh, really good use of some popular songs, too. Fuck the Police was used. Yeah. Really cleverly, I thought. Um, good vibrations. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Some some There's some great acting out of uh, Tim Heidecker, who shows up. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he knows uh, Jordan Peele from the comedy circle or from what, but... If you're weirded out about why he's in this movie, though... It makes sense once you see it. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. He yeah. kind of needed a comedic actor in that role. Yeah. And it's it's kind of hard to talk about this without spoiling stuff. So, uh, you know, short discussion. But, yeah, you know, we, we kind of want to get, like, deep into it. And, and I'm, I'm excited for Brent to see it so we can pick his brain, since he wasn't with us this weekend, uh, to see it. So that we can interrogate him, what he thought of it. Yeah. But... Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> go check it out, for <laughs> sure. I mean, I think most people are making a shit ton of money. We tried to go see... We were 20 minutes early for our one showing, and it was sold out. Yeah, one showing in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, so... Yeah, at our dumpy little mall, AMC. It felt like the one that we were in was sold out, too. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, check it out. It's fun. Yeah. 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 Uh... Do you want to talk about the other movies that you watched this week, TJ? Yeah, I watched a few. Nothing that I want to like dwell on. Cass and I are running through the Scream franchise. We've seen them all before. We've only seen four once, and uh, we haven't caught four yet. Okay, four is definitely the second best of the of the four films. Though it was, it was really good. Hmm. Um, the first Scream was a five star movie for me. The next two, they're not great, but they're I don't even call them good. But they're fun. 
Yeah, I saw a little bit of Scream Scream Two recently. I don't know what channel they're like making their rounds on. They're stars. Yeah, yeah. But they're playing on something. Uh, yeah, Scream Two is kind of bad, but it's clear what they were trying to do, and it was just like a cash grab. Like, yeah, Scream made a ton of fucking money. Well, uh, I, that's weird. I would have assumed the same thing, but I found out when I, I was reading about it that Neff Campbell was signed on for a, a three picture deal before the first one was released. Huh. Yeah. I guess, because it's directed by Wes Craven, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I guess he knows what he's got, because he's, you know, kind of uh, a master of of the art and, you know, dimension films. Yeah, tons of uh, nods. I mean, we're talking about, there's a ton of that in us, too, like homages to other films. Yeah. But, uh. Scream has so much of that, like especially watching it with Cassandra, who's like a walking encyclopedia of horror history. Yeah, but um, like in the first scene, they Drew Barrymore's dad tells his wife to go to the McKenzie's house and call nine one one, which is like a direct line from Halloween. It's the right. house that they send the kids to. Yeah, that Jamie Lee Curtis sends the kids to. Um, yeah, there's think, a ton of shit like that in the movie. Yeah, some some of them are 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 a little dumb. Yeah, like I think they they refer to some director as Wes Carpenter. Uh, instead yeah. of Wes Craven or John or like Carpenter the janitor is Wes Craven and he's wearing a Freddy Krueger like sweater yeah and it's like yeah. I think those are like I think that's just Wes Craven having fun yeah because uh, the movie is like still he calls it a horror comedy yeah um, it's definitely more horror than comedy I feel like but there are moments in there that are pretty funny yeah Matthew Lillard is hilarious in it he's great in the end of yeah. the first one I love when he's uh, when he picks up the phone and he's like <laughs> saying like like is that my mom yeah she's <laughs> gonna be so mad so mad at me <laughs> uh yeah he, he's really funny that's another guy who when we were outside before we started recording I should be like what's Matthew Lillard doing because he was in The Descendants so I watched a more recent movie uh, of Matthew Lillard um this podcast will be without timestamps we're just deciding now <laughs> yeah um, it's a long weekend. Yeah, a long weekend. <laughs> uh, but he did make the Scooby-Doo movies after... Right, yep. And was. I watched Scooby-Doo 2 this weekend for some <laughs> reason. Not this weekend, this week. What happened was I was sick and I wasn't... Uh, I've been sleeping too much and I was like, alright, you need to go to sleep but you're not tired. Put on Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> then you'll fall asleep. Your punishment, if you don't, will be having to watch Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters, Monsters Unleashed. Um, and what happened was, I watched all of that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Yes. It was uh, um, just so bad. The scariest parts aren't the monsters. It's just a scene where Scooby-Doo dances with some like old African-American lady in a disco. <laughs> and it's horrifying. He's got an afro on. And only when the afro comes off do they realize he's a dog. <laughs> It's great. It's great screenwriting. Skip, skip the next minute, but it made me think of something. If you don't like wiener humor, I was wondering. Tony was watching a Goofy movie. Do you think Goofy has a human-looking wiener or a or a dog dong? I was really troubled by this thought as it entered my mind today. All right. I'm going to do something that I don't recommend anybody else do. <laughs> <laughs> Just Google the question. I bet it's on Yahoo Answers. <laughs> I bet it is. Uh, yeah, that kind of struck... Because he has a son. He has... Because Max he is can son. reproduce. Yes. So we know that, that that's in the fiction. <laughs> and this is... <laughs> I mean... I know Kelly really likes that movie, and when she listens to it, she's going to be really upset. Oh, no. Is that a fake movie poster with Goofy on it with no skin? Yeah. (laughs) That's disturbing. (laughs) Yeah. But, anyway, we should probably get off this topic. It's just something I thought of when you said, how did they not realize he was a dog? Man, here's some fan fiction. The title is called Goofy's Anti-Semitic Penis Takes Over the World, a Mickey Mouse and Friends fanfic. <laughs> it's like that one series of books by that one author who always who just writes like, I had sex with an alien. You know, oh, the, the, yeah, yeah. The, uh, like, I was raped by a billionaire T-Rex yeah. or whatever. 
Those, you, are, those are fun. If you don't know what we're talking about, good for you. <laughs> you, you want life. <laughs> yeah. But so anyway, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. I've told you everything you need to know about it. <laughs> don't watch it. Don't. Unless you're trying to do what I was doing, which is just punish yourself. So are you going to like work your way through them now? Anytime you're trying to punish well, I heard the yourself? first one was okay. Like, for what it is. Yeah. Um, no, the second one was just so damn bad. I, I've just always been a little troubled... Maybe because it's like, you know, Freud would have a lot of comments about it. I don't know why I'm, I'm just thinking, <laughs> why my brain is going in these directions. But of like, there is real, like, tension, like, sexual tension between Daphne and Velma in the movies. Yeah. Like, that's, like, there's a part where they, like, fall down on each other and they're, like, holding each other's chests. Yes. And, like, staring longingly at each other. I wonder if that was, like, a bit of fan fiction written by... Lily Carlini. Yeah, or, you know, whatever. I don't know, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. There's a weird one in here where Daphne wants to, like, make Velma up. Yeah. Because the Seth Green character has a crush on Velma, and Velma doesn't think she's attractive. And uh, she wears this weird, like, one-piece pantsuit. It's, like, red leather. Huh. And she, like, there's a lot of screen time of her, like, bent over, and it's just her butt on the screen. <laughs> and it's like, who is this movie Four. Right, because it is like really like like I get it, right? Like Daphne was always, you know, the you know, attractive, you know, seventies, like could have been an actress type. But like both of them the whole time feel like the, the, the camera is like the gaze of all men. But yeah. It's not for young kids in that way. Right. And it's not for adults because it's not well acted or written <laughs> it's not well movied yeah yeah there's a, a great scene where uh, uh, Fred gets on a motorcycle and he means business you can tell because he pulls out his red handkerchief and puts it on for the first time in the movie <laughs> but he immediately gets his ass kicked in the fight so it was like this big build up like it's handkerchief time and then he just gets knocked <laughs> off by some the whole premise is bizarre all the monster suits they've pulled off of people are on display and do you know what the name of the town is Scooby Doo worked in, by the way? No. Coolsville? Oh, I did know that. Okay. <laughs> I had heard that. Um, but we're also like operating in a world where a human being is named like Shagbert. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the fuck his name is. I forget. Maybe that is Shaggy his last name? I don't know. I don't know what his name is. And it's not worth worth looking up. No. I saw you look at your iPad I like, and I was like, yeah. don't do it. Um but all the dis- all the monster outfits they've pulled off people in the past are on display. Yeah, at the Coolsville Museum, and some guy finds uh, finds out a way to turn them into real monsters. Okay, all of them at the same time. Okay, to do what? What's the plot? Uh, like what's the scheme? They're like it's revenge on. Oh, Scooby Doo! All the, the old Mister Witherses are coming back. There's to- one who figures out how to. Okay. Yeah. How to make monsters come alive. How to actually make monsters, so they're not ones you can, like... But they do still have a unveiling, because the news reporter, who's, like, turning the town against them... Yeah. Ends up being a, uh, like, 80-year-old man. But the mask is really good, like, Mission Impossible good, because the mask is a working, functioning Alicia Silverstone. Okay. Wait. This isn't a joke. I feel like you were waiting for a punchline. I was just telling you what happened. Wait, this 80-year-old man is masquerading as like a 30-year-old woman? Yes. All right. Cool. And got a job as like a reporter <laughs> for a big station in Coolsville. And like went to college and got a degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you can literally create monsters and human suits that can trick people, you probably don't need to go to college. You can probably just make up a degree. True. <laughs> you can probably fabricate that. That's a good point. Um, what else did I watch, Chris? Did you watch Scooby-Doo 3? What is the subtitle? I'm going to find that out while you tell me what you watch next. Perfect. This is not our first show. But <laughs> it might as well be. It might seem like it. <clears throat> I'm going to look up Shaggy real name, too. Sh- I'm going to look up Shaggy real name. I don't want Orville Richard Burrell. Wrong Shaggy. Oh, Norville. Norville. Norville, Norville? Yeah, real name is Norville Rogers. Weird. 
Yeah, he has a wife and two kids. What's he doing in that van with that dog? <laughs> Wait, really? Apparently, that's according to uh, the, uh, the the journalistic work of the magazine The Week. Uh, oh, they, they are really good in the Scooby Doo world. They're <laughs> deep. They they they, all, they know all the nose. Oh wait, never mind. I didn't. Re- I, it's the next sentence. And they're talking about <laughs> they're talking about the Pillsbury Doughboy, who has a wife and two kids. So that's more believable. What? What? Why, Why is, is the Pillsbury Doughboy on the? What are you against? Like yeast marriage? <laughs> no, but why is he on the page? You're looking for. Because it's 22 fictional characters whose names you don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Poppy Fresh. Yeah. Yeah. And his and his wife, Poppy Fresh. Poppy? Um, Poppy Fresh, yes. I wonder what her... Was her band name like Poppy Rosenstein? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then their kids are Popper and Bun Bun. I really hope that they introduced these characters to like launch a new line of products so it was implied like, they've got kids, eat them. (laughs) (laughs) They've got kids, open wide. (laughs) But, alright, sorry. I derailed this a lot. (laughs) No, it's good. We're only uh, 15 minutes in, so... (laughs) Shit. We're good. I watched another movie. Yeah. I watched, uh, for the first time in a long time, a movie that has amazing aspects of... in some in some ways is amazing in some aspects. That's the sentence I want. Yeah, and is laughably horrible in most aspects. But I still gave it three stars. But I watched uh, Starship Troopers nice. <laughs> for the first time in a while. Um, Casper Van Dien. Nope, he's the actor. Paul Verhoeven is the director who does. Uh, oh, is this the third one? Is it a prequel to Scooby Doo? I'm sorry, everybody. This is like the like we're breaking all the number one rules of podcasting. Yeah. Talking about photos that we're looking at. Googling things. <laughs> Scooby-Doo 3, The Mystery Begins. It looks like an all-new cast. Like, straight to video. Yeah. In so fact, the second image for this movie is a three-pack where you can buy all three of this, those Scooby-Doo live-action movies together. Awesome. Which you must get really disappointed when you get to the third one and it's different people. It's a prequel, though, so. Yeah. People change. People change. <laughs> Uh, Paul Verhoeven, who directed, uh, most recently had a lot of success with L, mm-hmm. um, which is really good, but probably best known for Starship Troopers and Showgirls. Yeah. Um, so does a lot of like violence and sex. That's kind of his thing. Um, and there's not, the best part of Starship Troopers is him trying to fit sex into the story. Cause it's just like, it's the future. So the army, the guys and girls, they just shower together. Right. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's you just really want to show me boobs. Yeah, that's such a strange scene too because they're like they're showering after they play like their future football, which for some reason they're still playing future football, right? Well, so that's what I thought. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, I must be watching this on like TBS because I was on demand. Yeah, and I was like, they just took that scene out because the scene doesn't matter, right? Um, but then I wasn't. I was watching on Stars or whatever, and it's actually after they're like while they're training. On, you know, after she goes to uh, join the infantry to be with him. Okay. Um, it's like while they're training yeah. for that. Um, but she's actually like an actress who's been in a bunch of stuff. The one that is nude a lot. Dina Meyer. Yeah. The one who dies. Mm-hmm. Dizzy. Yeah. Um, like, Denise Richards is fucking awful. Yeah. And the plot is awful. Oh, and the guy who plays Rico is really bad, too. That's Casper Van Dien, yeah. Yeah. Very bad. Um, Neil Patrick Harris, oddly, is in this movie. He's yeah. The, the psychic who can read the bugs' minds. Yeah. I don't understand what the bugs are doing. Either they're just like hurling rocks at them, I think. <laughs> but the special effects are fucking amazing yeah. for the time period. Really, really cool. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, they go to the bugs' planet, right? At some point. Yeah. They're like big bugs that control the little bugs. Right. It's a, Yeah, it's... I mean, it's it's an excuse to like have like bugs tearing people apart and, uh, you know, showing boobs and making like people explode and get like big bug needles injected in their heads. Uh, yeah. But as far as a movie is concerned, it's not great. 
I think it's I think it's actually really funny in the first half. I love Some of the jokes are really good. I love all of the fake broadcasts they have. The fake broadcasts are great. Those and, are super fun. And like the commercial where it's the kids stomping on the cockroaches. Oh yeah. And then it's all giggling. <laughs> yeah, and then it cuts away to someone being like, Maybe your son has what it takes to join the Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Have you seen any of the sequels? No. I know Casper Van Dien came back for one. Yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't seen any of them, but I feel like they'd be just as good as Starship Troopers because it's not very good. Yeah, Starship with. Troopers is like super culty. It's got a 3.6 average on Letterboxd, which is pretty high. Yeah. Um, but I bet that's a lot of five-star ratings and a lot of like one and two stars. Yeah, I mean like Us I looked at earlier is 3.9. What else have I on here? Step Brothers Letterboxd average is 3.3. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, people really go to bat for this movie. Yeah. Like, what's Scream, I wonder? What do you guess? I'm going to guess uh, 3.7. Yep, on the dot. Nice. So, yeah, so, Sergeant Rivers is, and then Letterboxd, I think, is, like, my favorite aggregate for that. Right. Because nobody's on here that doesn't like movies and watch a ton of movies. Yeah. Um, so. And they've made it so you can't rate a movie before it comes out now. They're like letterbox does. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, so they actively. Well, you can still rate it, but it'll hide your rating until the wide release. So they are like actively. They said that they were doing it because they had a big troll problem with Captain Marvel, and they didn't want it to kind of infiltrate. Oh, nice. What, what they think is like a like a pretty like sanctified uh, like experience. They want it to be like a real review that you can look at. So, so yes. So all of this to say. They really care about their review scores. Yeah. And the people on here rating stuff do too. Yeah. But they'll still let me rate Step Brothers five stars. Which of, is what I did. Of course they will. The Step Brothers is amazing. Because it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Fucking Catalina. We watched, me and Chris watched Step Brothers. 30 minutes of it. Pow! Right before we recorded. Pow! Rob Riggle is really funny. Then. Pow! Pow! Are you saying pow? Pow! <laughs> There's no, there's no end consonant there. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> the one time Will Ferrell goes, "Is he saying pow?" He goes, "Pow, <laughs> pow." So that was Step Brothers. Yeah, obviously recommend that one. Yeah, it's a great like hotel watch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you get into the hotel and you just like turn on TV. And you're like, oh, Step Brothers. So like get in that comfy ass hotel bed. And just <laughs> <laughs> you're in for the night. Yep. Order some room service. Man, I think I want to be somewhere else right now. <laughs> in a hotel bed watching Step Brothers. <laughs> With room time. Eating a $25 overcooked hamburger. <laughs> What'd you watch, Chris? I uh, actually committed to my New Year's goal. <laughs> actually committed murder. <laughs> uh, no, my, my New Year's goal, which new, the New Year starts after the Oscars. Um, and I watched a bunch of Best Picture winners. Sweet. So... I will. I'll start with the one that I think I like the most, which was Ordinary People. Cool. Um, it's really good. Uh, Donald Sutherland, uh, Judd Hirsch, like the, the the two biggest names out of it. Um, but it's you know if you haven't seen it, I really recommend you go see it. I was talking about it last night, and someone was like, "Why are you talking about a movie that's four years old?" And it's like because I just watched it for the first time, and it's really good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, a a a boy in high school is dealing with coming back to school and kind of getting back to real life after being in a mental institution, after uh, c- attempting suicide, uh, kind of like leading from uh, or caused by the uh, his depression is caused by the death of his brother. Okay. Um, have you seen it, TJ? No. Okay. I really recommend you watch it. I think it's. It has one of my favorite discussions. Uh, Donald Sutherland is talking to Mary Tyler Moore, who's his wife in the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and they talk about like you know how Buck's death affected everyone, and uh, Donald Sutherland's or Mary Tyler Moore says one of them says, you know, well, like Connie, the kid's name's like Conway, uh, like Conrad. Conrad, there you go. Uh, like Conrad's smart and I figured that smart people can just like deal with their problems that they can just handle depression on their own they don't need help from from professionals nice and it's just like that conversation is interesting in the movie because most of the movie like Mary Tyler Moore is more concerned about other people gossiping about her 
because she's in like a circle of suburban women who are gossips. Yeah. And Donald Sutherland's just kind of trying to blow off steam at a party and mentions that uh, Conrad is seeing a therapist again, uh, played by Judd Hirsch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you know the 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 title of the movie plays really well into the plot. It's a uh, you know it's uh, from the exterior they're just this like ordinary family, but then like you don't have to dig too deep to find out like you know the dad's depressed, the mom's emotionally cold to everyone, like the son is you know just came out of like a mental institution, and maybe that is ordinary people and not the veneer that everyone puts on at social functions. Sure. So. How yeah. was the direction? That's uh, Robert Redford's debut behind the really camera. Really good. Yeah? Yeah, really good. Um, it's it's clear if you didn't know by now. That I think Robert Redford has a real obsession with uh, the ocean. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, what was the last movie he did that he said was going to be his last step? The whole place, the whole thing is, is he's the only person in the movie and it takes place on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. And he almost got, there was talk that he was going to get nominated for that too. Yeah, and then he had the one this year though that he Old Man and the Gun. Yeah. Yeah. That was really, he was close to getting nominated for Yeah. It. Uh, yeah, really good. But uh, it's 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 really great. I, I'm curious, not that curious, but I'm watching it. it. It kind of piques your curiosity, thinking who the, um, who was behind the, uh, the, the, the cutting board with the editing. Oh, yeah. Because, and David and I talked about this a little bit off the cast, because I told him I watched it. Um, it does a really good job of like if there's just like a like a banal conversation going on, uh-huh. it'll just cut it in the middle of it because it's like it's not important. Like this is all like like set dressing. So like there'll be like some conversation between like Donald Sutherland and somebody about like you know they'll have their conversation about uh, Conrad and then they'll start talking about other stuff afterwards. And it's it has the kind of the audacity to add the first part of a conversation and the last part of a conversation and but then like the meat of what you care about for the point of this movie is in the middle there somewhere huh. like when you go and talk to somebody you might go up there and just say the one thing you had to say but normally it's sandwiched between like some small talk and so it shows you that and, but it will just like it'll cut it off and it'll start the conversation just like wherever wherever it feels like it to kind of show you that it's more natural than like uh, you know Actor A enters the stage from stage sure. left, delivers line, leaves stage. Right. Um, um, the editor, just looking this up, was interesting. He, uh, best known for editing Ordinary People, obviously, and uh, directing Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, cool. Um, but he also was the editor for, like, almost all the, like, sci-fi action trailers from the 70s and 80s. He was, like, a trailer editor. Makes complete sense. Yeah. Because <clears throat> they also, like, jump cut back to the accident where uh, uh, Conrad's brother dies. So, like, there'll, there'll just, like, randomly be, like, a flash. Like, when he's kind of, like, struggling in a social situation, there'll be, like, a flash of, like, him and his brother, like, trying to hang on to this, like, capsized boat. Which is why me talking about his brother dying isn't, like, much of a spoiler. Sure. You kind of get, like, bits of it, like, throughout the whole movie. Yeah. How is Hutton? He's the big Oscar winner actor. For he, that. He's really good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, if, and uh, I think we'll talk about it later... But if acting like despondent and a little detached is, you know, something that the Academy values, then he does a fantastic job. Nice. Um, he's, he's, there's, there are some fun conversations between uh, Hutton and uh, Moore where, like, like, neither one of them have, are, like, adjusted where they were. And they're having conversations with each other. But they're not really like listening. They're all just performing conversation. Uh-huh. So she's like talking about how like she like maybe I didn't ever take trigonometry, and she starts thinking about it, like talking about the tests. And he thinks that the or he has moved past that and is talking about like his swimming in school. And they're both just like two ships passing in the night. Huh. So it's like really good, like disaffected, like. This is what like a well-adjusted family would be like. They'd talk about school and they'd talk about sports and then they'd go about their business. Right, right. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so I, I really liked it. Uh, well acted, well directed. Thought the editing was pretty superb, um, and I would recommend it, um, especially as someone who's you know on this crusade with me. 
It is a good one. If you feel like you've got like a Shakespeare in love around the corner and you're going to watch that soon and you're not really that excited about it, you can use this as a palate cleanser afterwards and you'll be like, oh, that's right. a do kind of nail it sometimes. Cool. Um, better than Green Book. Let's go ask. This is a better than Green Book. That's for sure. The next movie I watched uh, was, uh, well, not the next. I'm kind of doing these out of order because I get to choose that. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've been going to the gym a lot more and I've just been watching movies while I'm, you know, doing cardio. Uh, cause I think that is a great use of time and resources. Um, but I watch Dances with Wolves. I have seen Dances with Wolves. This is the first time that I saw it. So it's, uh, yeah, not very rewatchable, even though I think it's very good. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'd. I think I would, I would have a hard time recommending it to somebody because I don't know what about it I'd recommend, except for I think that the performances out of everyone are the best from the uh, Native American actors. I yeah. think I think they are phenomenal and kind of provide the uh, like the, the 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 color to Kevin Costner's like otherwise pretty like plain. Uh, I think it's just the character, but the really kind of plain affect towards life. Yeah, <clears throat> you know the the movie opens with him basically trying to commit suicide. Um, well, sorry, he's recovered from like a from a battle, and they are going to amputate his leg, and he decides, no, fuck that, they're not taking my leg. Right. Steals a horse, and then like goes to the front lines during the Civil War, and you know, gets on a horse and charges across the battlefield through like no man's land, and gets shot at by like. A hundred Confederate soldiers, and they all miss, and you know, abs- like, accidentally serves as a distraction for the Union taking that position. Right, and they like tell him, "You can have whatever you want. Your bravery will be rewarded." And he's like, "I want to basically retire without retiring. So send me out to the frontier where I can just like fuck off. For- Give me a post. Yeah, in South Dakota. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, um, obviously not at the time, but modern yeah. day South Dakota, and." He goes. He goes to the post, and it is clear that the the uh, station officer is has lost his fucking mind. Like pisses his pants, and like tells him about it. He's like, "I just pissed my pants." <laughs> is speaking in like a like a British accent, and like pretending like he's like in Arthurian England, which is weird. Yeah, it's it's a really strange part of the movie that it is. It doesn't fit in very well. Um, and I think it's supposed to be a, like a, like, not that Dance with Wolves was that long ago, but I think we know a lot more now about, like, PTSD and shell shock, or whatever they call it, right. between those two terms, um, and how it affects people. And I think they were trying to not really make light of it, but kind of use it as a bit of a gag, yeah. which I think didn't age very well. In a movie that handles, uh, a really sensitive subject of, you know, Native Americans and them basically being, like, pushed off of their land and yeah. handles it, I think, really well. Yeah. To do something like that with the... Felt, felt weird. Felt weird. It felt almost a little irresponsible, um, but I think that it might have been uh, adapted in a way to kind of make the military seem like a bunch of, like, chuckle fucks. Yeah. And kind of prop up the Lakota and uh, I forget the other tribe, but as like just like proud people uh, who like they're the ones who deserve to be respected, not white men. But I could be reading too much into it. <clears throat> but it's really good. Uh, Mary McDonald's in it, strangely. Um, yeah, she got nominated. Costner got nominated for actor, and Grand Green all got nominated. Yeah. Um, movie like cleaned up at the fucking Academy Awards. Oh yeah, I mean it is. It is a. It is. An obvious like Academy darling, yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's it's no mistake. You're taking like something by one of the great American authors. You're adapting it into like a three hour movie about uh, like the white man's relationship with Native Americans. Something that everyone should feel guilty about, just kind of as a blanket, right? Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fun trivia question to ask for, like. Kevin Costner plays what was his like first title role as oh. a title character. So oh yeah, people don't think about his name being Dances with Wolves. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's there's there's a couple of funny moments. I mean, the most heartwarming stuff is his uh, 
is his dealings with the um, with the, basically like the two people that the tribe the Lakota select or that that group of Lakota select to be his uh like go meet this man see if he has medicine if he has medicine and wants to give it to us then maybe we'll work with him if he doesn't you know maybe we'll kill him yeah. uh, because he represents the encroaching threat um, and the movie really like ominous not ominously but really depressingly ends with a like within twelve years uh, all of the uh, Lakota had been relocated off their land. Yeah. Like, 12 years from this point. And it's like, fuck, that's right. It happened almost immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dance with Wolves, really good. I think, you know, not knowing the field of movies it was up against, deserving of a Best Picture win. Yeah. Not my favorite. Uh, but it's also just not my favorite kind of type of movie. And I think I'm going to get that a lot with watching these Best Pictures. Probably. Is, you know... I'm well, then epics were rare. Right. They were more mind-blowing. And I would, I would almost hesitate to call this an epic, because yeah. there's not really... I bet I just mean epic, not even like that. Yeah. Not just like an epic undertaking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was really good. Um, you know, better than Green Book as well. Um, and then I watched uh, one that I was eh, less excited about, and I think was pr- proven correct, at least for my taste. Um, I know what I like, I guess. Uh, I watched uh, The English Patient. Oh, uh, yeah. This is uh, Ray Fiennes, Colin Firth, um, Juliette Binoche, and um, I forget the other woman in it. It's someone that everyone's going to go, duh, it's Kristen Scott Kristen, Thomas. Kristen Scott Thomas. <laughs> and Naveen Andrews. Yeah. That's weird. Oh, yeah, Naveen Andrews was actually <laughs> the best part in it. Nice. Not the best part, but I really like Naveen Andrews. He was if Colin you, Firth, too. Yeah, a bunch of folks. If you only kind of know the name Naveen Andrews, he was Saeed from Lost, and he was also the, like, the cluster, like, uh, kind of shepherd in Sense8. Yeah. He's also the, uh, he's like the head of the military outfit in, uh, Planet Terror. Yeah. Um, so, and then also, if you, like me and TJ, have looked at this movie and went, I want to watch that, um... It's about uh, Ray Fiennes is uh, badly injured in a plane crash, like a small biplane. This is like before uh, World War One, I, I want to say two World War Two, um, and he's part of like a like a gentleman's group that kind of goes like expeditioning in uh, like northern Africa and the Middle East to like find treasures. They've obviously got a lot of money. So he dies in in this not dies, but he gets horribly burned in this crash, and then as um, troops are deploying uh, to Italy from northern Africa, uh, he gets picked up by a nurse uh, played by Juliette Binoche, who's like, "This man can't move anymore. Like the travel will kill him. I'm gonna stay at this like abandoned church," and then <clears throat> it's told in flashbacks to the events leading up to him getting there because he kept this really meticulous journal. Um, of how he fell in love with uh, Colin Firth's character's wife right before. Cool. Um, so, yeah, it is a, it is a stuffy um, period romance. Long. Long. Very long. Um, well acted, but other than that, this kind of movie's just not for me. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I saw it, because now I can say I saw it, but it's pretty much just like a resume check. Kind of like, I'm glad I saw Metropolis... But, you know, that's pretty much all I've got to say about it. Yeah. Yeah, the director, I was going to say, like, maybe he did some other, but it's the same kind of stuff. He did The Talented Mr. Ripley and The Reader. Yeah. Like. Yeah, The Reader was one of those that I just could never get through. Yeah. I tried, I tried so yeah. many times, and I could not get through The Reader. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, um, I think that's it. I think those, those are the three. I've got this sting that I'm halfway through, and I want to save that, because I'm so far liking it a lot. Yeah, I'm going to watch that, too, before. So we've got, we're at 39 50, we've got 10 seconds to talk, let's we'll talk some more about Scooby-Doo 2. Okay. What, what'd you find out now? No, nothing. Oh, time's up on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do you we're have gonna punt, any... We're going to punt on Reality Roundup. Yeah. Wait until the boys are here. Yeah, it feels it feels cheap for me talking challenge with TJ without David, and cheap for both of us to talk Survivor without Brant, especially when TJ hasn't seen the double episode yet. Correct. All the things he said. Well, all the things uh, right through my head, right through my head. I don't think we have the budget to clear that song. 
That that wasn't anything. Yeah. Was no. Like, that was the, no. <laughs> the tattoo no. song. I don't know what you're talking about. Man, I looked them up for some reason recently. Did you spell it right? Yeah. T period A period capital T period. Like lowercase U. That was a weird thing that happened. Like that, a that group? Yeah, like a Russian propaganda like girl band. Faux lesbian girl band that made like Euro pop. They had two hits and then like the Russian government like quietly made them go away. Because they were this like what tattoos doing now. Because they were like I think that the thought was, you know, if if you live under a rock, they're not a you know they're not very cool with uh with homosexuality. And I think it might have been a little too titillating for the uh the government. reunited to perform at the opening ceremony of the two thousand fourteen Winter Olympics in in Sochi. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. That momentous occasion. <laughs> I bet NBC didn't even fucking show it. Probably not. Um <laughs> what part are you scrolling to? I was just trying to find them in flare jeans. Found it. <laughs> um, legacy. God. Well, they have a legacy. You just randomly sang their song. Uh, you should add edit the Wikipedia page to add a reference to say like in Talkie Talk episode <laughs> number one sixty three or whatever we're on. <laughs> Uh, the song was ranked at number 452 in Blender Magazine's The 500 Greatest Songs Since You Were Born. No, well, that was Blender. Yes, <laughs> it was Blender. <laughs> also, even... AO, America Online's Top 100 Pop Songs of the Decade. It was number 8. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah, the, the cover of Blender on Wikipedia is uh, Bjork with a with a Eskimo jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. But this has been talky talk tattoo style. <laughs> That's this is actually our breezy moment. We're talking we're, every time on breezy we're gonna update you on what tattoo's up to. <laughs> Still nothing. <laughs> it went from what they did in two thousand nine to the legacy they're leaving behind. <laughs> As people who are still alive <laughs> and could potentially make more music. It's, it's, it went from 2009, even though we know from that Wikipedia page <laughs> they performed in 2014. Yes. yes. <laughs> it just skips right through that. Um, I know a little bit of Breezy that's pretty crazy and fun. Yeah. Did you see what Macon Blair's next project is? Uh, I think you sent it to me and I didn't read it. Yeah, Toxic Avenger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right up his fucking alley. Yeah. Macon Blair did a Blue and Green Room. Or no. Blue Ruin, Green Room. <laughs> yes. Uh... I don't want to feel alone in this world anymore. Yeah, those are the three he's done so far. So, like... I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Kind of hyper-violent. Yeah, I mean, it's like, perfect for it. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, the 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 Toxic Avenger that you know, if you've seen the movie of it, is Troma Studios, who got... who They cut their teeth on that kind of shit. Yeah. Like, just doing, like, big, wet, John Carpenter-style gore. Right. Um... So yeah, cool. I, I, I hope he gets Solnier to help write because they're a great pair. And then we know what happens when they are not paired together because we all watched that forgettable movie. I don't even remember what it's called. Hold the Dark. Yes, Hold yeah, the Dark. And Hold the Dark wasn't great. It was not great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We posted a, a few things on our um, on our Facebook page. As always, you know, go there for news and stuff. But uh, I have a weird piece of game news. What you got? So, do you know anything about the Yakuza series of games? Nothing. Okay. So, it's like, kind of like an open world, like, action series of games where you play as a member of the Japanese mob, um, and then it just kind of, like, there's ridiculous shit in it, like, there's a karaoke mini game where, like, your character is, like, standing up on stage at a dinky bar, there's, like, a, a, a side quest in a couple of the later games where you, like, manage a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, mascot racing, and there's just... It's, like, kind of like a like a ridiculous sideshow uh, vehicle. Yeah. Um, but at the heart of it is, like, kind of this brawler kung fu game. But uh, recently, Sega, who publishes it, uh, pulled the game from sale. Their newest game, which is called Judgment, which is kind of a spinoff about uh, the legal system in Japan... Uh, because one of the voice actors tested positive for cocaine. Weird. Yeah. And so it's kind of ironic because so the game is about you play a, a, a defense lawyer in the game. 
and uh, you still do ridiculous shit, but you play a defense lawyer, and the reason it's like kind of harrowing is supposedly in Japan, they're like the accused only succeeds at trial, like defending themselves 1% of the time. They are so successful at getting guilty pleas and guilty verdicts that by the time you're accused of something, you're basically done. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's like a credit to their, like to the dogged nature of their prosecutors or right. Because that's just kind of like the, like the culture that, or they just don't accuse people who they, they only have a suspicion of or what it is, but 99% conviction rate, which is a conviction or guilty plea. Yeah. Which is insane. Sure. So then they, the police raided this voice actor who voices Olaf in the Japanese frozen. Okay. Um, they raided his house and his car and found nothing. And they're like, all right, well, we'll drug test you. And they drug tested him. He, he tested positive. And because it is such like a like a shame for you to have a criminal charge, uh, Sega just pulled the game from sale. And they're going to replace the voice actor. Weird. And they're replacing the voice actor for the Japanese version of uh, Frozen 2 to revoice Olaf in that. Weird. Yeah. Irony of ironies that a game that's kind of like... Written to show how ridiculous it is that there's a 99% conviction rate. Uh, they end up pulling because this guy just tested positive for having done cocaine recently. Right. Like, I don't know. Just, so what's the charge there? Possession. Weird. Yeah. That's the, not how it works here, right? I mean, if you're a drunk minor, you get a minor in possession. Because you are in possession of alcohol illegally, and the way they prove that that you were recently is you're drunk now. Right. So, but I mean, like if I go to the hospital, well, I guess that'd be like incriminating yourself. So that'd be a different reason. But if I go to the hospital and I've done cocaine, I'm not getting arrested for being in possession of cocaine. You could be charged with it. Really? Yeah. Except in, in the, in the U S there's a, uh, there's like a, there is an incentive against people getting charged for that if they take themselves or like their buddy who OD'd to the hospital because they don't want people to not take people who are overdosing to the hospital. Right. So oftentimes there's there's a there's a little bit of a sanctuary. Yeah. Um, with taking someone or taking yourself to the hospital, but like, you know, if you like have done cocaine well not cocaine but like if you like have done heroin and you drive and you get into an accident obviously you're getting a DWI yeah that's that's different I guess in my head but like what's the not to like bury down in the law here but like what's the statute of limitations on that I don't know I mean because like that shit stays stays in your system there are ways to find out if you did it five years ago right so are you getting that possession charge probably not okay Probably not. And they probably did just like a piss test with him. And Sure, I'm not, yeah. Again, this is just me and you bitching about nothing. Yeah. That's crazy, though. Yeah. The Japan culture's weird. Yeah. We'll talk um, about that in the next podcast some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was a crazy irony of ironies. That is fun. Um, you got any other breezy? You want to talk about what's coming out this weekend? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, we got a Tim Burton live action Dumbo movie, and I know Brent has predicted that it says like Sleeper gonna be actually really really good hmm. movie. So we'll see. It's gonna make a shit ton of money. Yep. I know that. Um, so that's coming out this weekend, and the other one is a movie I didn't know existed until today, starring Matthew McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, Isla Fisher, Stephanie Lavi Owen, Jimmy Buffett, Zac Efron, and Martin Lawrence. I've heard some some previews that this is actually a really fun movie. So it's called Beach Bum. It's got a poster that makes it look kind of like a musical. Uh, but Jimmy Buffett has played himself. Yeah. For what it's worth. Um, Who's, who directed it? Uh, directed by Harmony Coron. Coron? Is that the person who did Spring Breakers? Yes. Yeah. And Spring Breakers was like liked by a lot of people. Right? Yeah. So this so, so people are saying that Matthew McConaughey has a very uh, James Franco-esque role in this. And he's just like this crazy over-the-top performance. Um Kind of like Franco was in Spring Breakers, nice. um, but yeah, I, I heard some like uh, some festival screening and people like mixed opinions uh, from the crowd. But a few people were like re- buzzing really high about it. Yeah, it's got that. a fifty-seven on Metacritic right now, which is with ten critics. Yeah, uh, and a fifty-three on Rotten Tomatoes. So that 
tells me it might, you know, some movie, like, cinephile types, when the score is higher on Metacritic than it is on Rotten Tomatoes, right, usually means there are people that really liked it. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, I'm going to recommend Dumbo, though, even though I thought Alice in Wonderland was boring. Yeah, even though I'm pretty much done with Tim Burton's own ideas, I, I will see him direct a Disney movie, especially one that's as trippy as Dumbo. Yeah, I want to see what they do. Yeah. I watched Dumbo my back one out uh, a few years ago. Uh, five years ago now. Jesus. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was uh, fucking bizarre, man. Yeah. the cur- a propaganda movie. Yeah, the cartoon is insane. Yeah. So, yeah, go check out Dumbo. It looks pretty pretty good. Who's the cast in Dumbo? Anybody we know? Colin Farrell's in it. He plays, like, the, the ringleader for the circus. Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, the lovely and talented Eva Green, mm-hmm. and Alan Arkin. Cool. So check it out. Yeah. Take us out. This has been Talk and Talk, podcast from You can find us at our website where we write stuff sometimes. You can find us on Facebook at our three groups, uh, Movies Bias, TV Bias, Games Bias. You can like our page. We appreciate that a lot. You send us an email, mediabias at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at the media bias, or you can find us on Instagram and it's $5 and we'll send you nudes. Um, <clears throat> you can rate us on the podcast subscription service of your choice. We would appreciate that. A five-star rating on iTunes is something we... I don't think we deserve this episode, but oftentimes we deserve it. And uh, I want to give a special shout-out to our intro music by Will Walker. And to the outro music by Booby Thanks, TJ. Yeah, buddy. Kicking rocks <laughs> down old dusty roads. Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.